Good morning, everyone. We, as you can see, there is a different, I'm coming from a different place. And I'm happy to be sitting here in the Zendo. Um, and I want to thank Shulong and Tatiana for helping set, set this place up so that we can uh, eventually have an in-person as well as an online um, practice. So thank you very much. Last week, we discussed the emptiness of self, the absence of a separate self. And I believe someone, uh, I forget who it might have been, maybe Sarah or Andrea, I'm not certain, expressed a, a sense of fear that arose when one discovered that there was no real separate self-sustaining self, regardless of what you called it, soul, uh, self, ego, uh, that this sense that we have of an I, of a me, of a mine, is it's a real sense. It's a real sense, but it's just a sense. It doesn't have any independent reality. This, this feeling of fear when one discovers the absence of a separate self is not an ordinary fear. It's not the fear that has a particular object, like I'm afraid of that snake or I'm afraid of the person driving up the driveway. Uh, it doesn't have an object. And thus it is a much more profound sense of fear. It's almost akin to the fear of death because it, it truly is the death of the ego, the sense that what I thought I was, who I thought I was, does not have any independent reality, even though it feels so much like that is the case. It's that sense of emptiness or nakedness when you take off your masks, you, 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 uh, you take off your costumes, you take off your armor, you take off your, all the roles you, you play, you suspend all of that. It's, it's like, um, I sometimes compare it to the falling of the Twin Towers. Those structures that seem so permanent, so invulnerable, are seen to be totally vulnerable and they are completely taken down. And so it's, it's really a kind of terror. If you could say a, an existential terror. Who am I? This kind of naked, vulnerable being. 
I had uh, an experience which may throw some light on this. Recently, when I went to Japan to visit. And in Japan, in the small inns, uh, ryokan they're called, there is no private bath. It's a public bath, bathroom. And I am very shy when it comes to being naked in front of other people. This is probably true both physically and psychologically. And I, I needed a bath the day that we had had a big long day and um, I needed to, to be clean. And so I went to the public bathroom in the inn and I saw uh, outside of the entrance to the bath, there were three pairs of shoes, of slippers, which meant that there were three people in the public tub. So I turned around and went back to my room. And I could feel this feeling of, ah, I'm not ready to be naked in front of these three women who were in there. And I went back to my room and waited for a bit and then returned to the bath. And there were three, still three pairs of shoes there. Turned back around, went up to my room, feeling even wondering what what is this fear what am i afraid of what am i trying to protect well of course there's this 77 year old body that can't be photoshopped <laughs> you know? and who knows uh, what those other bodies were looking like probably there was some comparison going on And so I sat with that for a while and just decided to take my fear with me the next time and uh, just do it. Uh, just um, move to my edge, to the edge where fear meets courage. It wasn't that I lost my fear it was that I was able to get to the edge of it to where it met the opportunity to transcend the fear, to do something in spite of it and maybe because of it, to test myself, to see how much I could grow. And so it was a very painful situation um, the whole time uh, but I was aware of it, and um, I share it with you to maybe try to appeal to something in your own experience, which you are protecting out of fear 
of being vulnerable. Of somehow being seen in a way that you're not used to being seen. A way that you have uh, played it safe in some way or other, that you've defined yourself in a certain way. And people know you that way. And you know yourself that way. And you're not prepared to reveal your fundamental nakedness, your fundamental vulnerability. It's really about losing losing the self, losing the self that you so carefully constructed and that you so well protected. Seamus, Seamus Heaney, who is, was an Irish poet who died in, I believe it was something like 2013, Right before he, he died, he was in the hospital and he texted his wife. And the words that he texted were in Latin. They were noli timeri. And those words mean do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. She, of course, was facing a radical loss. She was losing a man that she had married, was married to for many, many years a man who in part defined who she was. She was the wife, she was a wife. And she was losing part of her identity. And sometimes when we have, like I lost a dog five years ago, and I sometimes felt I'm losing part of myself. part of myself is gone or losing a parent part of who I am is gone it's a kind of death and if I'm not a wife if that's not part of my identity who am I what do I have left and so there's there's not just an external loss but it's a kind of internal catastrophe. And that's terrifying. So this noli temere appears often in the Bible. And it's repeatedly 
it's repeated. It's repeated by Christ. Do not be afraid. And it's often followed by God loves you. This particular quotation was coming from Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, in which Christ is praying after he uh, feeds multitudes with a few loaves of bread. He's praying on the top of a mountain and his disciples, he orders into a boat on a very stormy sea. And for many days, these disciples are struggling and are basically at lo lost at sea. And Christ hears their cries that they're lost, that they're at sea, they can't recover. And he comes down from the mountain and walks along the water and they see this apparition of Christ and they're terrified. They're terrified because they're in a, in a state of, um, of confusion, of loss, of sense of chaos and everything that appears to them is frightening. And Christ says, don't be afraid, I'm here. In other words, I have come to comfort you. I have come to let you know that God is with you, that God loves you. So when we are at sea, when we feel lost, when somehow our identity is challenged or in confusion or who am I? This sense of the death of something we thought we were. We turn, many turn to God to establish a deeper identity. I'm a child of God. He will protect me. I'm defined by God. This is more absolute than my individual loss. God will take care of me. Well, as Buddhists, When fear comes, some of us do turn to a higher power, but there is an alternative. When we discover that there is no separate self, that everything we thought we were is empty is empty of independent being. 
when we can no longer claim to be a wife, a husband, a mother. I can no longer claim to be a professor. I'm not. And I never really was, but that's how I identified myself. So all these, what I often call the post-its that we put on ourselves, very often they just, we, we don't want to lose them because it makes us feel substantive. It's, it's our covering, all these roles and, and achievements and um, uh, credentials and roles that we play. Sometimes they are ripped off. Sometimes, sometimes we, we peel them off because we have gone beyond them or we're something new or that doesn't fit us anymore. But sometimes they're just ripped away like a, like a Band-Aid that you're protecting a wound. <laughs> and you rip it, you rip it away. And it feels very, like you're very vulnerable and sore <laughs> and wounded maybe. I don't often give advice, but I'm going to give some advice for when this happens. We often say in our practice, just be with it. Be with the fear. Be with the terror. Be with the horror. Be with that sense of vulnerability. But there's a way you can be with it, which the Bodhisattva would help with. That is, not to be with it in a, as we're often told, be strong. You can be with it. But no, don't be strong. That's part of, that's one of the post-its, strong. You don't need to be strong. You, you are vulnerable. You are naked. You are open. But you can be comforted. And the way to be comforted I'm going to suggest is to turn immediately to anything that isn't human. Like, for example, the natural world. Immediately go for a walk in the forest. As often many people do when they're in trouble, they want to go to a lake, to a mountain, to the ocean, 
to the forest. Or turn to an animal, Missy, Claude, Miso, Mochi. I know almost everyone has a pet who is with us today. Not human. So even to another person who can not be invested in your troubles, but who can be just someone there, like a tree, to listen to you, to be with you. Music, yes, created by, by people, but has also an independence beyond the, it takes us beyond our small egos, our small selves, or art. Making it, making music, listening to it. So moving, remember that, that image I showed you of the, uh, the vase and the heads. So when we're stuck in fear, where we are in that vase place, and in order to begin to transform that fear, we begin to move, to move to the edge of that vase, to everything that isn't us, that isn't us. And the more not us it is, the better because we can find our place in this vastness that isn't us. And this is a way to address, to meet our fear, our fear of not being who we thought we were, our fear of being naked, our fear of being totally undefended vulnerable as a human being. A we call this in the Rinzai tradition, a true person of no rank. No post-its. A true person, naked, in the tub <laughs> with with other naked beings. So I want to end with um, a quotation from Anne Frank, who, whose diary has become very famous. Uh, she died in the Holocaust. and kept a diary which has inspired many people. But this is what she said. The best remedy for those who are afraid, lonely or unhappy is to go outside somewhere where they can be quite 
at alone with the heavens, nature, and God. Because only then does one feel that all is as it should be, and that God wishes to see people happy. And amidst the subtle, simple beauty of nature, as long as this exists, and certainly it always will, it will be a comfort for every sorrow, whatever the circumstances may be. And I firmly believe that nature brings solace in all troubles. Now this is written by a young teenage girl who spent many, many, many months trapped in an attic, unable to experience the fresh air and the sunshine. This is what she advises people. To be in contact with all non-human elements because that's what makes you up. And there are so many comforting non-human elements in this world that we can embrace and find comfort in our fears. Now, can you hear me? Uh, this um, setup here does not allow me to hear you very well. I, I'm going to have to have speakers. Um, so when you speak, can you speak loudly? Okay, but please do speak. Before we discuss, we will recite the second gatha, which follows a Dharma talk, and this you will find in almost every Soto Zen Dharma center. <clears throat> 